Welcome to Intelligence Talks from the research team at Knight Frank. Intelligence Talks brings you the latest insights on property market trends and forecasts, along with expert analysis from industry leaders. I'm Anna Ward, Senior Residential Analyst at Knight Frank. Today we'll be speaking about one of the most controversial topics in the property industry, stamp duty. It's been tweaked countless times by multiple UK governments and some might describe it as a political football. I've got three guests today with me to discuss this. First up, I have Professor Tony Travers, Director of LSD London, Parliamentary Committee Advisor and Specialist in Issues Affecting Local Government. Hello Tony, welcome to the podcast. Hi, hello. I'm also joined by Sean Randall, tax partner at accounting firm Blake Rothenberg. Sean is chairman of the Stamp Taxes Practitioners Group and author of the Law Society's SDLT Handbook. Hi, Sean. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Hi, Anna. We also have Tom Bill, head of London Residential Research at Knight Frank with us today. Hello, Tom. Hi. Good morning, Anna. So, Sean, let's start with you. How have we got to where we are today? Do you think the latest set of stamp duty rules fit together well? Uh, that's a pretty big question. We've got here, I think, due to the appetite by successive governments to use a transfer tax to achieve certain things, whether it's to curb demand by non-residents, whether it's to help first-time buyers, promote people to buying zero-carbon homes. It's just been used for lots of political policy imperatives and it is a bit of a mix of rules and to some extent it's more complex now than ever but it does produce a lot of revenue so i think from last year's figures it was close to 13 billion in total tony what's your view on this stamp duty reforms have been criticized for distorting the property market how would you describe the key issues here the key issues derive from a wider problem really with the way we operate property taxes in britain which I know today's about stamp duty, but it's, in fact, I think property taxes need to be seen as a suite, and that's not just domestic, but domestic and commercial property taxes and stamp duty, and indeed wealth taxes, capital gains tax, and so on. At some levels, they all overlap, and they all, to some degree, take tax from each other. So, answer the question, is stamp duty a tax on transactions? problematic in creating friction in the property market and my view is it does and that there would be merit in collecting substantially less from a tax on transactions and rather more on annual property occupation and use. And would you say the tax disproportionately impacts London? Well certainly the yield disproportionately comes from London and indeed from a small number of central London boroughs. I mean, there are very few taxes in the UK, I would have thought, as ill-distributed. You know, certainly were individual London boroughs paying or where more is paid in stamp duty on housing than in great swathes of the rest of England. So it's very much now, particularly after reforms of recent years, aimed at the most expensive property and the most expensive or the biggest yield is derived from them the most expensive properties, and many of those are inner and central London. Successive Conservative-led or Conservative governments have enthusiastically grappled with pushing up stamp duty rates, particularly on the most expensive properties. This is the kind of thing we'd have previously thought a Labour government might do, but a Conservative-led and Conservative government has done this with equal enthusiasm. And I think there is a challenge in all of this, because particularly in London, if in a sense this level of taxation were, and as it increases, radically to reduce the number of expensive homes that are bought and sold, which I suspect may be 
well, has been and will be one of the consequences, there'll be much less money produced through so-called Section 106 and the Community Infrastructure Levy to pay for social and affordable housing. So there's a paradox buried in all of this. If you could radically reduce the number of expensive homes bought and sold, which many people would see perhaps as a good thing, it'd be far harder to tax them, or indeed any, anything in the top end of the housing market, to produce money to pay for social and affordable housing and other goodies which it is being paying for. So it's just worth, I think, remembering that as well. Absolutely. I think, I think the numbers really speak for themselves. If you look at current levels of stamp duty, London accounts for around 38% of the stamp duty take. And if you go back 10 years, that was only 30%. So it's been increasing over recent years with all the changes that we've had. And if you just focus in on the two central London boroughs of Westminster and Kensington and Chelsea, those two boroughs alone account for 10% of the whole country, the whole tax take from stamp duty coming from just two boroughs. And in fact, those two boroughs alone make up more stamp duty than the whole of the East and the West Midlands combined. So undeniably, uh, there is an over-reliance, if you like, on London, and in particular the, the central London boroughs where you have higher-value property. And I think, I don't know how sustainable this really is, you have an increasing reliance on a small number of local authorities where you have a prevalence of high-value properties, but that actually means exchanges are going down year on year, and I'm not sure how sustainable that is. Tony, given the challenges that Tom has outlined, do you think this moment is a good moment for a national reset and an opportunity to shake up the stamp duty system? Well, I mean, there's no doubt that what's just happened, the COVID-19 really is a crisis. Uh, Nothing quite like it's happened to the UK since 1945. I think ministers will see this as an opportunity to reset a number of things, and they may have to. They have little choice. It's interesting that the press has had some fascinating stories recently about potential reforms to the planning system that would be quite radical. And against that backdrop, and you can well see that in the short term, as the government seeks to get the economy going again, a stamp duty holiday will be discussed, I'm certain. But in the medium term, if the government really wants to get the housing market going and actually get some yield, you know, Tom mentioned the Laffer curve, you could undoubtedly put up stamp duty to the point that it yielded nothing. So trying to maximise the yield by stimulating the market, I think, is something ministers will be thinking about. And they will use COVID-19, I think, possibly quite reasonably, as an opportunity to reset a number of policies in relation to property and its taxation and indeed planning. Sean, what about you? Do you think the government could bring in a stamp duty holiday or even a meaningful cut? It's difficult. I would say that stamp duty has been the subject of numerous reports and studies And look, undeniably, economically, it does act as a handbrake on the market, it adds friction, and it's not the best way of taxing home ownership, for sure. But economic theory, even if it's completely sustainable and demonstrable and very persuasive, usually is outweighed by political imperative. And I think politically, it will be very hard for the government to lose a tax that is understood by people operates around the world. And comparatively, although it may be difficult to believe, but comparatively, our stamp duty rate is relatively modest compared to other cities around the world. If you take into account also the cost of home ownership and the cost of selling, I think a report mentioned that London 
was ranked 12 out of 17 international cities where the 17th was the cheapest with the cost of purchase, home ownership and selling combined. So I, look, I think there's a lot of inertia, a lot of resistance to changing a system that you know, has bedded down, it's very complex, it's controversial, but it is successful in terms of the revenue yield. And 14 billion or 13 billion, I know it won't be that at the end of this uh, financial year, but 13 billion is a large amount of money to find from elsewhere. What about for downsizers? This is clearly a pressing issue. Is that on the agenda, given the problems around social care and older people being unable to potentially move from homes they may no longer need? Yeah, I mean, look, downsizing definitely prevents and it acts as a disincentive to many people. Downsizing, that's undeniable. Increasing social mobility must be something that the government would like to do. That might be something that the government might wish to look at. Introducing a wider holiday or removing or reducing the rates, as was mentioned by Boris Johnson roughly this time last year, I think would be difficult to do. Tom, just taking a step back, would you say that all of the stamp duty changes that we've seen since December 2014 have been fully absorbed by now? My sense is that we're in the sort of final stages of the stamp duty changes being absorbed. There have been so many of them, and plus, of course, changes to around 810, Harrison tax, and a whole raft of changes over the last four or five years. I think what you normally expect to see is when you raise a transaction tax, of course, has an immediate impact on the number of transactions that happen. But that takes a while and it works its way through the system. Prices adjust accordingly. But over the last four or five years, it's been such an unprecedented backdrop, I think, for what's happening in, in terms of the government's fiscal policy. We've had a number of general elections, an EU referendum, a Scottish referendum, Brexit, of course, taking place as well. So you've had a very volatile backdrop. And I think that has really just meant that this process of absorption has taken a lot longer than it might otherwise have done. Tony, what's your view on who should ultimately control stamp duty receipts? You've mentioned before that you think the London mayor and local council should have more control over these, but how would that work in practice? Well, I chaired the London Finance Commission, which Boris Johnson, when he was mayor, set up. And in fact, uh, Sadiq Khan reconvened when he became mayor. And on each occasion, the report that we produced suggested that there are powerful arguments for London government, but actually other city regional governments, taking control of the full suite of property taxes, partly because I think they'd be more likely to operate them in a more sensible way. I mean, if you look at the abject failure of national government, you know, effectively to operate successive governments, I might add, to operate council tax in a modernised way, in a way that reflects the real property market these days, and the challenges that stamp duty faces. I think if they were operated sub-nationally, then it would be much easier for the authorities within, say, London or Greater Manchester to operate these taxes sensibly, remembering that Wales and Scotland, which between them have a lower population and a smaller economy than London, do have control over these things. So it's not as if we can't do devolution of taxes in Britain. It's just we choose only to do it to Scotland and Wales and Northern Ireland. John, what's your take on that? Do you think that devolution of taxes in this country would be a good idea? The experience so far of devolution of SDLT and landfill tax to Scotland and Wales has been very successful. 
the legislation is working well. It's clear, possibly clearer than the SDLT legislation that it's based on. The tax authorities in those regions are doing a good job. And I think that's undeniable. What's interesting is the extent to which those regions have chosen to take different approaches to the rest of the UK in terms of both their interpretation of the legislation, which is substantially similar to the SDLT legislation, to changing rates and bans. And that's forced or put pressure on the UK government to react We've seen that very recently with a new relaxation to an exception to the surcharge when you replace your main residence that the UK government is going to introduce in possibly a couple of weeks at the report stage. So I think the experience so far is very positive, whether there's logic and justification for increasing that to a much wider scale possibly London and some of the other larger cities. I don't know. One thing must be said is that the current regime is very complicated. And if we were to have more than three regimes running in parallel, according to where in the UK a property is situated, well, that would make the system even more complicated for poor conveyances. One thing that has been a recurring theme, actually, ahead of elections in recent years has been the capital gains tax. But I I suppose it goes to the question of where you draw the line. How do you balance the economic and the political? Would potentially the removal of the exemption of capital gains tax from main residences, in your view, be in the mix now? I just think that the horror from certainly a Conservative government trying to impose capital gains tax on people's first homes, given the way property is viewed and the relatively limited number of ways people have to save money anymore, I'd be very very surprised if a Conservative government did that. I mean, occasionally Labour politicians talk about such things, but it'd be a pretty big step for them too. I think the problem with all of this is if we hadn't started from here, then that might be an easier idea. But the truth is that many millions of people have got most or all of their savings in property. And although there is a perfectly rational debate to be had about how wealth is taxed in Britain, how capital gains are taxed, I just don't see politicians touching it. Whereas I do see the possibility post-COVID-19 of a more radical look at the broader tax system, not least of which is because the government suddenly discovered there's lots of money, not just a magic money tree, but a magic money forest. And therefore, all sorts of reforms become possible. And, you know, just to finish this thought, the press recently has been full of the idea that there must be no return to austerity, that Conservative and Labour politicians agree this, we must have tax cuts to get the economy going, you know, a splurge of spending. So I'd be amazed if the government suddenly, this government in particular, decided to weigh in with any kind of capital gains tax on people's main home. Something that a Tory think tank had suggested or had mooted last year was giving people an option which was, on the one hand, to elect to pay stamp duty on the purchase, or on the other, not to pay stamp duty on the purchase, but instead to pay capital gains tax on the sale. Now, that might be interesting, but even so, it still goes to the very heart of home ownership. As Tony said, it's such an emotive and important subject for many people, investing in, in real estate, that I would find that very difficult. Do either of you think stamp duty will go up? Personally, I think that would be very unlikely. Having said what I did about the relatively low cost of taxes on real estate when you combine purchase with home ownership and sale, 
I do think that the rates now with the surcharge for purchases of additional homes like second homes and buy to lets and with the additional surcharge proposed to come in from April next year, that means that there will be a top rate of 17% for non-UK residents buying second homes and buy to lets. And by anyone's margin, that must be a very high tax rate. So I know there'll be enormous pressure to recoup lost revenues and to make good the deficits. But I think we're probably right at the top end of what the housing market can sustain, I think, particularly in central London. Are you hearing anything else, John, just from your contacts and government, just generally on the mood and the sense of direction that we might see going forward on stamp duty? We do get consulted from time to time on changes which are about to be made via the professional body that I'm a member of or chair of. But no, at this stage, there is no talk, I think, certainly in the public domain of doing something radical yet. I think pressure will build on some kind of holiday, possibly a relief for downsizers. There is time for the government to react. We're not due a budget until the autumn, but they also will be very busy in designing the regime for this additional 2% surcharge for non-resident UK buyers that will come into effect next year. So they will be very busy. I think one other point to mention is that it's difficult to overestimate the extent of the work involved in redesigning a system. The present rules is the culmination of enormous amount of work from the revenue, from the government, from industry to get it to where it is. And if we were to go to a more radical, different system, the transition period would need to be pretty long to design and consult on a different regime. Tony, you've spoken about council tax reform in the past. And how big an undertaking would that be? Well, it's not a particularly big undertaking if there was the will to do it. What stops it is not the fact that it couldn't be done. Those with a long memory back to the early 1990s, 91, 2, 3, when the government decided to replace the poll tax with the council tax, these rateable values, the ones we're still using, were created very fast indeed, more or less drive by assessments being made and properties being put into bands. The problem is politicians are petrified of redistributing the burden. If you had a revaluation, which I think is somewhat overdue, given that we're now all paying council tax on the relative property values of 1991, which was the basis for the 1993 start of the system, a revaluation is clearly needed, but it would lead to gainers and losers, and all politicians of all parties are petrified of that. So we're stuck with an annual domestic property tax based on what will soon be 30-year-old values. And that means that you end up with using stamp duty to try to scoop cash out of top properties, which anywhere else in the world, would, and even under the old rating system that existed until 1990 in England, you'd be paying far more in nominal terms today than they are. So the whole of the property tax system, certainly for domestic property, is a bit of a mess. Interestingly, on the non-domestic side, where we have regular revaluation, so one's just been postponed, it works much better, actually. It's somewhat unfair to commercial property owners and occupiers, because they are relatively, they should be paying rather less, I suspect, and domestic property occupiers and owners rather more. Tom, how about you? Do you think that the government would ever do something like that? What do you think the issues are? 
I think the government's probably toyed with doing it in the past, but I think it really just lays bare the balancing act it has between the economic gains and the political sort of sensitivities, um, the balancing act that the government has. It's probably for the Conservative Party in particular, somewhat of a holy grail, people having been taxed on their main residence. And we saw in a general election a few years ago when the dementia tax was proposed that this sort of uproar that that created as well when people were looking like they were going to have to pay for care from the side of their, of their house. So I think, yes, it's a very live issue. And as our two guests have said, it would be a brave government who would bring that in. If you enjoyed this episode of Intelligence Talks, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please also make sure to share this episode on social media and check out the show notes for more information. Mm -hmm.